Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of the Memoirs of a Movie Stand-In Podcast. My name is Greg Anderson, and I worked for many years as a movie stand-in, primarily in Utah and uh, primarily on television shows like Touched by an Angel and its official spin-off series, Promised Land. Let me tell you about Promised Land. As I'm going through the chronology of my own memoirs here, it's time for me to talk about the 16th episode of Promised Land in Season 1, so it's uh, officially numbered as Episode 116. And this episode was called The Collapse. Now, every episode of Promised Land seemed to be uh, covering some sort of relevant social issue, and the relevant social issue of the Promised Land Episode 116 was... The dangers of mining. <laughs> yeah. You know, you go into a mine and uh, maybe there'd be a, it'd be a dangerous job and maybe there would be a collapse and you would be trapped in the mine. That's what happened. Now, the origin of this particular story is interesting to me because, uh, well, earlier on in uh, 1996, we were working on an episode called King of the Road. And our director for that episode was a guy by the name of Jim Johnston, and he was from Los Angeles, you know, working as a Hollywood director. And he came out to work on our episode, and uh, during some time off, like on a weekend or whatever, just to kind of occupy his time while he was in Utah, he went on a a tour of, like, um, one of the closed mines near Park City. And there are a lot there was a lot of mining up around Park City back in the old days. So there are a lot of uh closed or abandoned mines in that area. Just just miles and miles and miles of mine shafts all over the place through there that most of us are not aware of because they're all closed and they weren't used in you know for the last hundred years or whatever. But they're just Tons and tons of that stuff. So this director who was out here working with us on Promised Land took a tour of one of these mines, and he just got this idea for an episode of Promised Land. And so he went back and worked with a couple of the regular writers from Promised Land, and together they came up with this whole episode that then Jim came back to direct called The Collapse. So we went to an abandoned mine. I think it used to be a silver mine southeast of Park City uh, to do about half the filming of this episode. Now, we were able to go in there to the real mine shaft and uh, film a few things uh, in there, so that was nice. But when it came to the actual uh, portrayal of the mine collapse and the guys getting trapped in there and debris falling and all these things that would happen inside the mine, well, it was not practical to try and do that in the actual mine. So our art department created a set uh, that looked like uh, portions of this mine uh, and that set was built at our normal warehouse studio that we used uh, on the uh, west side of Salt Lake City. So um, I have to say I was extremely impressed with the work that our art department did creating this mine set, uh, both to just to make it look really great on camera and also to make it match the actual location where we had filmed some of the scenes in a real mine. So um, and I guess I was even more impressed by all this because the first place where we started filming was at the real mine. And once we were finished doing our work at the real mine for a couple of days, then we went to the mine set 
and uh, and continued the episode production there. So after seeing the real mine, then I got to see the the set, the you know the fake mine. And say to myself, this is absolutely amazing. Our art department is the greatest art department in the whole world. They did just an incredible job making it look like the real deal. So uh, the episode starts out, Russell Green has gotten a temporary job working at a mine. And he likes it because it's good money, it's uh, hard work, and he likes to do hard work. Uh, good, solid, honest day's work and make good money. And so he's really excited about this. But his mother, of course, thinks it is horrible. Uh, She's very frightened. She thinks that mining is very dangerous. And I think they made a reference in the episode to the idea that uh, maybe Russell's father, uh, who, you know, by this time in the story had died a few years ago, uh, Russell's father, I think they said, worked in a mine and, uh, you know, his... His wife, Russell's mother, never never enjoyed that. And so now here's Russell going down to work in a mine. And, and Mom is just really freaked out about this and just not at all happy to think of uh, Russell working in a mine. So um, we we actually went to this, uh, you know, closed mine entrance and had gear and people and made it look like it might have been a, a real working mine. And um, we... So, yeah, we filmed there for a few days. And uh, as a stand-in, of course, I got to go in and be where they were filming stuff near the uh, entrance of this mine. And it was just fascinating to walk in there. Of course, there were a lot of lights already set up, uh, so it wasn't like walking into this deep, dark hole. But uh, if you did walk and wander down just a little bit farther than where the lights were set up... It got really dark really quickly as you walk through that mine. And so I didn't do that. I didn't try to go explore down there. (laughs) You know, it's like, well, this is, okay, this is neat because you're looking at history and you're inside a real mine and this is all really neat, but not so neat that I want to go get lost down there or even get very far away from from the work that I'm supposed to be doing. It's, it's a little freaky. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not afraid of the dark necessarily or, uh, you know, but you just don't want to go mess around in a place like that. You know, when you can see that if I walk 20 feet in that direction, it suddenly gets really, really dark and I'm just in a hole in the earth. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to go wander around down there. We did have a couple of members of the crew that were a little more brave about that. And, and just sort of for the spooky, creepy, funhouse aspect of it all, they did just keep walking down down the shaft, you know, as far as they could stand to go for a couple of minutes until it just got really, really dark. And they could experience just sort of a little bit of a freak out and go, ah, okay, I think I'll go back now. So, yeah, we had that going on a little bit, but it was, let me see, it was mid-January, and it was cold, and it was cold inside the mine, and if you're watching the episode, you can see some of the initial scenes portraying the miners and Russell Green among them uh, inside the mine, and you can see their breath as they speak and as they breathe. And so that was the real mine, of course, and it really was cold and and the humidity was such that you really could see your breath in there. And so we got some pretty good looking uh, film of that as the actors are portraying the scene in there. Um, So later in the episode, when you see them 
and they're inside the mine, but you can't see their breath as they speak, that would be then how you can easily tell the difference between whether we were shooting at the real mine or whether we were shooting at the set. So the set was inside our warehouse, and of course, these guys are still wearing the same clothes they were wearing at the real mine, the same costumes, which was, you know, heavy clothing, uh, you know, coats and and things like this. So um, that was great when you're out there at the real mine and it's the middle of January and you want to stay warm, but then when you're on the set and uh, the actual ambient temperature in the room is more like, you know, 60 or 70 degrees and you're still wearing these heavy outfits you might be wearing when it was uh, really cold outside you know everybody took it in stride but it still got a little bit uh, you know (laughs) uncomfortable uncomfortably warm wearing all that warm stuff um okay so let me see um there was one uh aspect of this episode i I, you know i was just watching this uh last night so i could kind of get an idea of what i wanted to say about it and uh, there, I, I just got to telling you in a previous podcast that whenever we're on a set, they would usually keep the curtains closed so they didn't have to worry about portraying what might be outside the window. And here we are working on this episode, and we've got a scene that's inside the Airstream trailer, and it's at night, and the window, the curtain is open, and you can see outside the window. And you can see another camper outside the window. And so you might be saying, well, uh, okay, how'd they do that? Well, this was kind of clever, and I was actually impressed that they went out of their way to do this because it wasn't, it wasn't a very complicated trick, but it, was, uh, but it was a nice touch. So they had a piece of an Airstream trailer that they had... Uh, sometimes they were going to use this maybe um, if they could just sort of have this in the background when they're portraying the guys driving around and they're supposed to be towing a trailer instead of a towing a a, a full on giant Airstream trailer. Maybe they could just have this piece of the front of an Airstream trailer that would just be in the background of the shot. Well, they never really did that when we did driving scenes, but they still had this piece of an Airstream trailer. So what they did is when we set up the, uh, the family having dinner sitting at the table in the Airstream trailer, they open the curtains and outside the window, a few feet away, they put this piece of an Airstream trailer and they lit it up just right so that it looked like it was just another another camper parked near their camper. And this was all done on the set, but it was uh, it was just a, a, a nice touch. It looked very realistic. And so I had to be, uh, you know, impressed by that. Okay, well, um, the storyline, I should tell you, (laughs) is that uh, Russell Green starts working in this mine, and he gets down there, and after he's working in a couple of days, there is an accident, and uh, there's a collapse, and Russell and a half dozen other miners that are with him get stuck in the mine. And so, of course, uh, their loved ones that are outside the mine are very worried. They think, okay, oh, no, no, this is terrible. What's happened to Russell? Is he dead? I hope he's okay. All these things going on. And um, and so the, the mine um, starts filling with water, um, and one of the miners is trapped under the water. So there's this dramatic tense thing where they have to rescue this guy 
And so they get him, they get him out so he's not under the water anymore. He's not drowning anymore. But then they start running out of air. And one of the young miners that's with them is in a panic and he thinks they're all going to die. And Russell has to basically talk to every miner and be inspirational and help them all to kind of keep it together so they can all survive this thing. So, um, you know, at the end of the episode, everyone's very thankful for Russell. Wow, we would have never made it without you. I'm so glad you're there. And all this sort of stuff, which is, on the one hand, you kind of go, well, that's great that Russell can be enough of a hero that uh, if you were in a dangerous situation, he would help you through it. But on the other hand, it's like, wait a minute, these guys are all supposed to be like real miners, and Russell's just the guy that came in there to work a temporary job, and yet when an emergency happens, Russell Green is the only one who seems to know how to handle himself? You would think people that were actual miners would be trained on how to handle themselves in an emergency. But, uh, well, anyway, that's just drama, and that's the kind of thing that happens on a show like this. Although, you do get a little bit tired of the idea that, uh, you know, Russell Green is the only hero in the world, <laughs> and everyone around him... Uh, well, anyway, that, that, I'm just thinking about that. Uh, this episode, of course, was done... Oh, what? We're talking, uh, like, ten years before... Uh, a a very real and tragic uh, mining accident in Utah, which wasn't wasn't anywhere near this particular uh, actual uh, mine that we were using. But um, yeah, so these sorts of things happen, and then not just in Utah, but in other places where miners get trapped underground. And so on the one hand, again, it's not the most creative idea that, okay, Russell works in a mine and there's a mine disaster. And so... Uh, but uh, but it was fun to work on the episode. We got to do a lot of things that we hadn't done before. Um, they built these sets that they had to flood the sets in order to uh, portray that, you know, these, there, there was some sort of underwater flooding in the mine. Well, we didn't do that in a real mine, but we had these sets that the art department put together, and the sets had to be built so that they could be flooded. So this was a new thing for me to experience as a film crew member. How do they do this? Uh, in our case, the they sort of built the sets um, with um, these three or four foot tall um, walls around them, which were lined with rubber, so that they could be so that they could be flooded. And uh, they had to, of course, uh, reinforce the uh, set construction so that it could hold all that water. And then we had to use equipment. Uh, for the filming that was uh, sufficiently water-resistant or waterproof. Uh, certain lights had to be used, uh, camera housings that were that they could use underwater. And so this was all neat stuff for me to observe how this was done. And maybe I'll post some pictures in the show notes. I do have pictures uh, that I took behind the scenes myself of uh, how they built these sets and how they flooded them. And, and uh, we got guys, you know, cameramen and stuff, with the actors in the water and um so that that's that's all it's all neat stuff to watch uh, how how they did this there's also a, a shot in the um in the episode where after the collapse happens you see this big burst this big cloud of dust that uh, spews out of the mine opening and we did this at the real location and so it was neat to see uh, our effects guys, our practical effects guys on set, to that set this gag up, 
and they had these big fans, these big blowers inside that they had taken inside the mine opening and, and had them back far enough that they were out of the camera shot. And then they had all this dust, which was sometimes they would use um, like a almond dust, I think, where they, they kind of grind up almond shells into a powder. And they they often use that and something called Fuller's Earth and, and some things that are non-toxic um, that may be easily removed, you know, if, if things have to be cleaned up. But they were able to just add bags and bags of this dust stuff that they had to set up in such a place uh, that at one in one big burst, they could have this burst of air from these fans and other sources that would just blow this stuff out as fast as it would go. So you had this big cloud of dust that came out. And it was just neat to see that set up on such a large scale. So as, as a film crew member and a guy that just likes to know how movies are made, that was a lot of fun to see uh, how they did that. Also now, when we were inside the, the mine sets, um, because it was a controlled environment, because it was actually in a studio, there was a lot of... Um, flexibility that the director of photography could have a lot of fun with trying different lighting effects to really stylize uh, the film. Every miner was wearing a helmet with a with kind of a headlamp on the helmet. So we did a lot of lighting uh, based on these actors just shining each other's headlamps at each other. And we had fake smoke, the kind of stuff you would buy from um, like a music store, like a, a guitar center kind of a store. We had a lot of that fake smoke going in there so that as we had the light shining around, you'd see the the shafts of light. And so as the actors are moving around, you see these shafts of light going off in all directions from their helmets. And that just looked really cool. And um, also we had some of the electricians maybe would stand off camera and rather than have uh, an actor's helmet light actually lighting the scene. They would have uh, some sort of spotlight that looked sort of like the light off of a helmet, that, but but that was brighter or better to control. And so we'd have these electricians off camera shining these lights around and, and doing sort of random movements that made it look like maybe they were uh, the light was coming off someone's helmet. And just a lot of really cool stuff we were able to do like that. So even though I might complain that I don't think the the story was all that special that it was just kind of a standard story of uh you know oh mind disaster what whoopee but from a production point of view it was a very fun episode to work on we got to do a lot of really neat things with it and so that's sort of what i come away with uh, from that episode that it was a lot of fun to make um the storyline could have been a little more nuanced. I don't know. I'm just not going to complain about it because it was a very exciting episode to watch, I'm sure. Um, now, one other thing that stands out for this episode is that there's a, a moment in the middle of the episode where um, Russell Green is sort of trapped in this mine and they're running out of air and everybody's wondering if they're going to start hallucinating or whatever. And and Russell sort of wanders off and has an encounter with his father. Now, they never really make it clear in this episode what's the deal with his father. The, and he has this this conversation with his father. Now, his father is showing up, what, as a ghost? 
is it just Russell's imagination or is it some sort of actual, um, is it a dream? Is it a hallucination? Is it his father sort of appearing almost as an angel to come and speak with Russell and help him through this uh, incident? They never really make that clear, but since it is a spin-off of Touch by an Angel here, Promised Land, uh, you know, anything like that can happen. And of course, they have this nice little touching father and son moment, and uh, and in the end, uh, Russell has the uh, resolve to, of course, um, save everybody and uh, you know keep keep everyone motivated until they are saved, and you know so. All right, so there you go. Now let's see here. Um, there was one other. Oh, of course, his father, <laughs> the guy who played the part of Russell's father, Leo Green. Um, the actor we got was Arlie Ermey. I think that's how you spell his name. Now, this guy had has been in uh, some movies and TV shows before. And I think uh, there was a Stanley Kubrick movie where he played like a drill sergeant or whatever. A bunch of guys on the crew who were familiar with seeing him in this other previous show and were just in awe of the fact that we had this guy on our set. And he is a, he's really a great actor. He's just got a lot of character in his face and in his voice. He just immediately has, uh, this great character. So he comes to do sort of almost a cameo role as, uh, Russell Green's father in, in this mine episode. So that was kind of fun to have him around and he's a great actor and just fun to see him. He just had this, again, just a lot of character, uh, I, I don't know how they even made the deal to get him on there, but uh, I think everyone in the crew enjoyed having uh, R. Lee Ermey as the uh, uh, on our set, and and I think that uh, Gerald McCraney really enjoyed being able to play scenes with him as well, especially the fact that Gerald McCraney was such a big fan of the military, and uh, and this other actor had played so many military roles and had a lot of uh, you know. They just had a lot of just had a great time together. So, uh, like I said, fun episode to work on the collapse, and um, and so that's what we did in January of nineteen ninety seven. Okay, I should mention one more thing about this episode. They uh, included a sort of a subplot here that uh, Russell and his son Josh were not getting along very well, and partly because Josh wanted to go spend some time uh, with a cousin or some relative who was like a demolition derby driver. And uh, Russell didn't want him to go out there and spend time with that cousin. He thought demolition derby was stupid and uh, just didn't want anything to do with that. And so they were just, they were at each other uh, throughout the episode uh, having disagreements about this. And during the conversation with Russell and this, you know, uh, encounter with the spirit of his dead father, um, Russell came to the understanding that maybe it's okay if Josh wants to go off and watch his cousin doing demolition derby stuff. It's okay. Just don't be so uptight about it. Let your son go off and, and have a little bit of fun. So that was what was supposed to be a plot point in the following episode, but something happened and that plot point had to be uh, scrapped. So I think I'll save that until the next episode of this podcast, and I'll tell you about, okay, what happened to Josh for the next episode of Promised Land. Okay, so remind me to okay, yeah, get into that next time. All right, so that's all I'm going to say for this episode of the Memoirs of a Movie Stand-In Podcast. Uh, so the exciting conclusion of this story coming up. Uh, in fact, the next two 
episodes of this podcast are going to go together pretty. Um, they, they're they're tied very very closely together to each other. So, um, okay, looking for the official show notes of the memoirs of a movie stand-in podcast. You'll find those at utahstandin.blogspot.com. And you can send me email by just uh, going to this uh, right here. My email address is moviestandin at gmail.com. That's moviestandin at gmail.com. Remember that all of the information presented here in the memoirs of a movie stand-in podcast is uh, contingent upon the accuracy of my own memory. So take it with a grain of salt, and I hope you are entertained by all of this, and we'll see you next time on the memoirs of a movie stand-in podcast.